following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Well, how you feeling this afternoon now, I guess? You feeling good? Balcony, how we feeling? It took a while, but you finally feeling good. Well, you look good if that makes you feel any better. What an honor it is to have you in church today. Always an honor to preach the Word of God to you. And we are in the uh, middle of a series. We're in week two of a series called The Big Life. The Big Life. And we're really using 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as kind of our point of reference for this series. And it says this, Dear Corinthians... I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives and live openly and expansively. The big life. In last week, Pastor Rex challenged us to Abandon smallness, small thinking, small prayer, small faith. Abandon smallness. And and does anybody believe that we serve a big God? A big God that has big plans to do big things in the lives of his children. And so we're talking about the big life. So what is a big life? A big life is a blessed life. It's an increasing life. It's a a generous life, and, and I, I don't know, I can't think of a cute way to say it, so here's how I deem a big life. It's living the kind of life knowing that you can walk into any situation that life throws at you, that you can walk into your, your house, into your school, into your work, with your head held high and your shoulders back, knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. Knowing that if you take a step of faith, that he's got your back. Big faith, big prayers, boldness. It's a life where fear and intimidation and anxiety fall by the wayside for faith, for big faith in a big God who wants to do big things in your world. That is, that's the big life. And so we're going to talk about that today. And I'm convinced, and it's slightly ironic that Pastor preached about abandoning smallness last week, and I'm not contradicting anything that he says today, and you'll see that as we move forward, but I'm convinced that if you want to live the big life, that you got to get small. Now, I'm not talking about small thinking, small prayers. No, 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 none of that. you got to have all that. You have to get small. John tells us that he must increase, but I must decrease. And it's easy, it's easy for me to stand up here and say that, but the question is, right... How do I live this out on a daily basis? How do I every day continue to make him big while I decrease? And I got your answer for you. Are you ready? Through your worship. He gets big through your worship because when you, when you take all of your attention and you take all of your focus, you take all of your affection and you begin to pour it out on him, guess what happens? He, he becomes big, and you, you become 
small. It happens through your worship. And so I want to unpack this idea of worship today from perhaps a, a unique perspective, and you'll, you'll see that momentarily. But to start, I want to introduce you to three of the named angels in the Bible. And the first one would be an angel by the name of Michael. And Michael's always responding to people praying. The Bible says that angels are dispersed in the heavenlies when we pray. And Daniel was praying. And Michael says, Daniel, I came in response the first time that you prayed. So, so Michael is an angel that responds to people praying. The second angel that you need to know about today is Gabriel. And if you're familiar with the Christmas story, you'll, you'll recognize this name. Because Gabriel was the, the angel who showed up to, to Mary and said, hey, guess what? You've never been with a man, but you're going to get pregnant, and you're going to have a baby, okay? So this is, this is uh, Gabriel, and he's always delivering a message, or he's delivering a word. And the third angel that I want to introduce you to today, and this is where perhaps it begins to get a little unique, because I'm not sure that I've ever uh, preached a sermon based around this angel, is an angel by the name of Lucifer. And Lucifer's over worship. He's over all, all the music of heaven, and it's kind of interesting if you think about it that, that all of heaven is represented by this list of angels that we just talked about. Prayer with Michael, and the word with Gabriel, and worship with Lucifer. And maybe you've been looking for a way to, to revolutionize your quiet time with God. Can I tell you, you ought to just go ahead and spend five minutes in prayer, five minutes in the word, and five minutes in worship and see how much better your day gets before you go to work, before you get the kids dressed. You spend five minutes in each one of those and just, I, I kind of have a feeling you're going to have yourself a little time. Worship, the word, and prayer. And so I want to jump into the text today, and we're going to pull out, we're going to jump into the Old Testament, and I, I want to pull a couple of scriptures out, and, and hopefully, at the end of it, hopefully, it's all going to make sense to you what we're talking about. That's the goal today, Lord willing. Isaiah chapter 14, uh, if you'll notice that in your Bible, it says that this is directed to the king of Babylon, and you have to understand this, because oftentimes in the scripture, it's directed, the passage says it's directed to a person, but what it's actually referring to is the spirit behind that person. So it's not talking about the king of Babylon, it's talking about the spirit behind the king of Babylon, and you'll notice that it's going to be Satan in here in just a moment. But let me give you another example, okay? So Jesus is looking at Peter, one of his disciples, and he says, get thee behind me, Satan, right? He, he's not talking... To Peter, he's talking to the spirit behind what Peter is doing in the moment. And so the passage that we're, we're reading and you'll find very quickly is referring to Lucifer. And Isaiah 14 and 12 says this. How you have fallen from heaven. Right off the bat, we, we know who it's referencing here. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. Are you tracking with me? Lucifer gets expelled from heaven. Why? Here's why he gets expelled. Notice who it's all about in this passage, okay? You said, speaking of Lucifer, in your heart, I, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned above the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like 
And how, look, of all the names, this is how he references the most high. I will make myself like the most. Right off the bat, this shows how, how jealous that Lucifer is that God is getting all the attention. That he's getting all, all the worship. And so he says, listen, no, I see you getting all this, but I want that. I want to be, I want to be above you. That's the position that I, I need to be in. And did you know that this is still his goal today? He wants to get all of the attention off of God and on to anything else because in that he actually gets worship because he accomplished it. And it's why, it's why your worship and what you worship, you've got to be very careful because anytime you redirect your worship off of the one and only who is worthy of it, we're inadvertently helping Satan accomplish his goals. You can see it when Satan tempts Jesus, and it's found in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Remember when, when Satan would look at Jesus and say, fall down and worship me, and I will give you all of this. See, it's always his goal to get your worship. It's his goal to get your attention on him. And I point it out because your worship and where you're devoting your time and your passion and your energy and your love and your money, listen, it matters. It's not just something that we, we get up here and say and it may be, no, 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 listen. If you are devoting your time, your energy, your passions, your heart to something other than God, the enemy is getting worship because he's accomplishing his goal. You got to be careful. Isaiah chapter 14 and 11 says it this way, your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sounds of your stringed instruments. So in other words, Satan, you're going to be brought down. You're here going down, Satan, you and your stringed instruments. Wait, Satan, he's got a harp? Is that, is that what you're saying here? Is this, is this what the word is? No, no, no. He is a stringed instrument. Watch. Scholars believe that a stringed instrument was actually a part of his being. It was part of who he was. This, this stringed instrument was, was in his makeup. And I want you to file this away. There's going to be a couple things that I'm going to ask you to file away right here in your frontal lobe. And we're going to make our way back to it at the end, okay? And make this all make sense. And this is one of them. That he has a stringed instrument as a part of his being. And so the second place that this angel is referenced in the word of God is actually in Ezekiel 28 and 12. And it says this. You are the seal of perfection. Full of wisdom. Perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. Remember the serpent that was in the Garden of Eden. And watch. Every precious stone adorned you. This is the second thing that I want you to store right here in your frontal lobe. And we're coming back to it. You were adorned. So God dresses him not only as a stringed instrument, but he adorns him with precious stones. He put jewels on him, and they're mentioned in the Bible. Carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis lazuli, wonderful, turquoise, and beryl. They must be wonderful. But watch what happens in the next passage. 
Your settings and your mountings were made of gold, to which some of us in here are saying, what in the world are settings and mountings? And I want you to read the King James Version. It brings a little more clarity to it. This is what it says. The workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes. So so let me me break this down as, as easy as I can, as clear as I can for you today. He was not only being adorned in jewels and had a stringed instrument a part of his being, But he also had timbrels, which are cymbals and pipes. And I don't know if you know much about music. I don't. In fact, I don't know much about music at all. But I do know this, that every instrument falls into one of these three categories. If you pluck it, it's called a stringed instrument. That's your violins, that's your your banjos, your guitars. Or you have the percussion instrument. That's your drums, your cymbals, anything that you hit to make noise. And and let me just give you uh, parenting advice. Don't ever buy drums for your young children for Christmas. Epic mistake. Epic, epic proportion. I'm telling you, if you want to keep your sanity, I I don't know what to buy them, but buy them something that's not loud. And you also have wind instruments. That's your flutes, your trumpets, your saxophones. And here's what's important, okay? Lucifer possessed all three of these things. In his being, he possessed all three. And on top of that, he was adorned with every kind of jewel. Once again, we're coming back to it in a minute. Verse 14 says this, you were anointed. Some of you are wondering what that means. This is what that means. Being anointed means when you sing it, when you preach it, something happens behind it. (laughs) There's something that you can't explain, but lives are changed, cultures are shaped. There's something behind it. There's this this power, this, whoo, man. It's not just a great sound to the ears, but there's something that moves you. Can shape cultures. You know that what you listen to shapes you. That's why you can be in a worship service like today and you can sense the presence of God because there's an anointing. It's not, listen, our musicians are talented, our singers are top notch, but that's not the reason you feel what it is that you feel when you walk in here. The reason you feel what you feel is because there's an anointing on every musician and every singer. There's an anointing on the word of God that moves you and shapes you, changes you. Verse 14, you were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. Can you imagine this? You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you through your widespread trade and here's what's important what satan did was replace what belonged to god and he took it for himself and so you got to be careful church listen we've got to be careful that we don't inadvertently do this that we don't walk in to church on a sunday morning and give him a little lip service and kind of put on our hat of worship for just a few minutes and just walk out of here when it's over and give all of our love all of our attention, all of our devotion to everything else in the world. You got to watch it. You got to be careful because it's easy. Then what what happens? Verse 16 says it this way. You were filled with violence. 
and you sinned, so I drove you from disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from, the, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom and your splendor, so I threw you to earth. And I made a spectacle of you before the kings. And listen, some of us think when we read this, we think that there's like this two hour long movie battle duking it out, right? You got Darth Vader and you got the good guys. Right? We go slow-mo, right? No, 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 no. Listen, there's two hits in this fight. God hitting Lucifer and Lucifer hitting the earth. That's it. It doesn't last two hours. It's a millisecond movie. That's how big your God is. Come on, think about that for a moment. But here, here's, here's the beauty of it. Watch this. So now he's been expelled to earth. Now there's a position to be filled. And God still wants worship the same way with stringed instruments, with percussion, and with the wind instrument. But he's got an unemployed angel, and he's got a vacancy in his staff. So the question becomes, who's the new worship leader? Who who, who is the new worship leader? And you're already ahead of me. You and I are the new worship leaders. You and I are the ones that he created to give him worship, to make him big. And in it, we decrease as he increases. And here's the crazy part is that he put those three things in you. He created you with the stringed instrument, with the percussion instrument, and with the wind instrument. You have everything you need to worship him. Well, I don't really know. Can you explain that? Sure I can. I'm so grateful that you asked. Right here. You've got these two cords that run here, these two strings called your vocal cords, right? And then right in here, you've got your lungs that your, your breath will pass through your vocal cords and to where you can open your mouth and proclaim the greatness of your God. I am a wind instrument. And then some of you are figuring it out right now. You got these two bad boys right here that you can put together and make some noise as a percussion instrument for your God. Well, see, I don't know if I can worship him. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter how you feel. He's given you everything you need to worship him. Well, I mean, I don't feel good. Yeah, but guess what? You got hands that you can put together. You got a voice that you can raise. You got vocal cords. You and I are the new worship leaders. You are the replacement for the unemployed fallen angel named Lucifer. Every part of you was designed to worship God. Well, what does this actually mean for me, Pastor Brad? How does this change my life? There's two truths that I want you to to embrace today, that I want you to walk out of here knowing. And the first one is this, that God made me from him. From him. In other words, when he made you, he made you from himself. Again, this is a whole teaching in itself, but I'm going to try to give it to you quickly here. In the creation account, Genesis chapter 1, God does a couple of things. He created some things, and then he made some things. So what's the difference? A created thing comes from nothing. Let there be light. Bam, there's light. Right? That, that, that's what happened. That's the purest definition of the word created. 
Okay, so then, then God made some things, uh, made things. He takes something from something that already existed and he made from it. So it'd be like me handing you uh, a box of clay and say, hey, listen, from this clay, I want you to make a vase. You didn't make the clay, you made a vase from the clay. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so he does both. This is the interesting thing. In the, the creation account, we have both. You and I have never created anything. We don't have that ability to create from nothing. But we have both in Genesis chapter 1. And let me show you. In, in 1 verse 11, God says, hey, hey, land, I'm going to need you to produce some vegetation. He didn't say, let there be trees. Boo! No, no, no. He said, I need you to produce vegetation. Earth, produce me some trees. And why is this important? Here's why it's important. Because for every, you've got to catch this, for everything that he made, instead of creating, it was because he wanted there to be a relationship from that which it was made from. So when he made something from something, it's because he wanted the two to be close. Are you tracking with me? He said, hey, earth, hey, I need you to produce a tree. And now tree, listen, you're created from the dirt. Guess what? Let me, let me just tell you, you're sustained by the dirt. And one day, Mr. Tree, you're going to go back to the dirt. So, Mr. Tree, let me give you a word of advice. Stay close to the dirt. Watch. Because the moment a tree decides to separate from the dirt, it dies. Because there was a relationship that was intended to be between the two. When God created woman, he didn't say, let there be a woman. And Adam said, whoa, man, that's not what happened. (laughs) The Bible says that he took a rib from Adam and said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Why? Listen, because he wanted there to be a relationship between the two. Are you following me today? So here's the question. Was mankind, were you and I, were we created? Or were we made? We were made. Watch. Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make mankind from us. What God is saying is, listen, I'm going to take a part of me and I'm going to put it in you. I'm going to take a part of me and I'm going to put it in mankind. And so every one of us were created from God. Therefore, we're sustained by God and we will return to God. That, that's just the way it is. And to which some of us, right, we scratch our heads and we say, well, well, that sounds wonderful. But I've read in my Bible where it says that we were made from the dust of the earth. Partially true. Your body is from the dirt. Your body is sustained by the dirt. We all eat stuff that the dirt, the land produces, right? And guess what? One day the shell of a man is going to return to the dirt. Your body will, but your spirit will not return to the dirt. See, your spirit man came from God. Your spirit man is sustained by God. And one day your spirit will return to God. Come on, does anybody believe that in the house today? 
Come on, why don't you put, some, put your hands together. Make some noise for Jesus. But hear me. The day that you decide that I can live my life disconnected from that which I was made is the day that you will begin to wither away and die on the inside. That big life that you've been dreaming of, that we're preaching about today, you're going to see that big life begin to fade away the moment that you think you can do this on your own. The moment that you think, listen, uh, I don't need to be connected to him. No, 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 listen, you were made from him. You're sustained by him. You can't disconnect yourself from that which you were made. Unless you want everything to go in the opposite direction that God wants you to go in. If you want the big life, if you want to live the big life, you better stay connected to that which you were made. The second thing that I want you to embrace today is this idea that God made me to be with him. So the reason that I came from him is so that there would be a relationship between the two of us. And this is important because too many of us, let's be honest, we have this formal relationship with God. Well, I don't really love you. I'm not sure I really even like you. But way back in the day, my mama told me that I need to go to church, so I'm here. And I just kind of do this. There, but, but when I leave here, guess what? I'm going back to do exactly what I want to do the way that I want to do it. And maybe I'll see you next week. God bless you, Lord. This is, this is how we see it. And listen, he never intended for you two to have that kind of relationship. When he made you, he made you with something totally different in mind. And here's the scary part, and I'm not trying to scare you, but watch what Matthew 7, 21 says. That many will say on that day, the judgment day, that I called you Lord, but will not enter heaven. Why? Jesus said, I will look at them and I will tell them. It's because I never knew you. Because at some point or another, you disconnected yourself from that which you were made from. You you held him at arm's length when he was trying to enter into a relationship with you. When he was trying to get to know you, I think I'm good. Sunday morning at 12 o'clock is good enough for me. I I don't really need to get intimate. I, I don't really need to talk to you. God says, oh, you thought, you thought I just needed your church attendance. No, that, that's not it. That's great. But, but that's not, the, if that's what you think, you've, you've missed the goal. See, you, you thought I just, all I needed was tithe and offering? Listen, that's great. But you're missing the point. No, no, no. I want you. I don't need all your stuff. I care about your heart. I care about knowing you and being in relationship with you. I care about when you're hurting that you come talk to me and allow me to wrap my arms around you. And pull you in close and let you know that I will never leave you and I will never forsake. See, I want to know you. 
in a way that maybe other people don't know you. You, you have a hard time of letting people in. No, no, no. Don't, don't have a hard time letting me in. I've got joy that you've never known. I've got peace that you've never known. I've got strength that you've never known. If this church has one single message, listen. It's that God wants a relationship with you. That's why we celebrate baptism. People are are understanding what it is that God's done in their life. He wants a relationship with you. He's not looking for a religious moment with you on a Sunday morning. He wants to know you outside of here. He wants to know you in your car. He wants to know you when you're with your family at your house and on your job. He wants you to be able to open up and talk to him when things don't go well. And to prove this to you, let me show you one of the most extreme examples that I think God could have come up with. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 5. And this whole chapter, if you're familiar with it, is really talking about how to have a great marriage, okay? So here's what it says. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And you've heard this at weddings. I've used this at weddings. It's, ah, they love each other. Lovebirds, great. They're leaving mom and dad. They're going to become one. Woo, they love each other so close. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But watch what the next verse says. This is a profound mystery. What he's saying is actually, listen, I'm not talking about married people. I'm talking about Christ and the church. God says, you know what I want? You see those people over there that are about to go on their honeymoon so they can get away from work and all the craziness of life for one week and spend that time together? That's what I want. You see those people over there that that are about to get married and, and they just want to communicate, they want to talk, they want to know. That's what I'm looking for. This is what this passage of Scripture is indicating. I never intended for my people to walk into my house in the place that they're supposed to be comfortable in my house and come in and be uncomfortable in worship. They tip their hat to me on the way out. Say, we'll see you next week if my calendar permits. That's not... That's not what I had in mind when I made you. I want something deeper. And not just for my benefit, but I'm telling you, if you know me, there's something in it for you. I promise you, because I can offer you more than you can ever give yourself or anybody else can ever do for you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want you to see my love for you. And did you know, did you know That at the end of all of this, we get heaven. Come on! When this is all done, we get heaven. I don't know about you, but that's a big deal to me. And some of us have a warped idea of what heaven might look like. Think you're going to be in this big choir? 
that we're just going to get to heaven and we're going to bow down and we're not looking up for 10,000 years because we're in the presence of a massive God. And I don't know how it's all going to work out, to be real honest with you, but did you know he's already got angels bowing down to him, one saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? He's already got that from his angels that are up there. You know what's going to happen when you get to heaven? As soon as you get there, you're going to walk an aisle with Jesus himself. And he's going to call the church his bride. And you're going to be wed with him. That's what's going to happen. There's going to be a wedding. And guess what happens after the wedding? There's going to be a reception. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. There's going to be those little smokies with the toothpicks in them that I love so much that I'm going to be able to eat. There's going to be joy. There's going to be laughter. Lord, please let there be little smokies that I love so much. We're going to be with Jesus and he's going to call us the bride of Christ. Watch Revelation 21 and 9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come and I'm going to show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And right now, some of you men are getting nervous. You're just squirming in your seats. <sighs> Intimate relationship. I don't tell my wife everything. Listen, hear me, gentlemen. If you will tear down some walls in your life and allow him in, come on, he's going to revolutionize you. You want a better relationship with your wife? Get a better relationship with him. Amen. Allow him in. Allow him in. Allow him to know you. Talk to him. Have a relationship with him. What do you have to lose? I don't know, but I know you have heaven to gain. (laughs) So look what else. Remember the things that I pointed out earlier to store right here in in your memory. We're going to start bringing those around now. Watch this next verse. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high. And he showed me a holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. heaven. So here, he's got his bride. He's bringing his bride home to the place that he's prepared. And watch. Watch how he's adorned this place and see if it sounds familiar. The foundations of the city were adorned with every precious stone. Do you remember what Satan was adorned with? Precious stones. And God says, Satan, you're going to misuse everything that I put in your hands. You're going to misuse everything that I gave you. And he takes all of these precious stones and he says, you know what? I'm going to give them to my new worship leader. In fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to cover their house with these precious stones. I've prepared a place for the people that I love the most. You're going to misuse it. Let me take those stones and, and adorn my new worship leader. They're placed with these precious stones. Randy, if you'll help me, sir. And you say that this is crazy. This is weird. No, it's not. It's why every married man or every, every man in a relationship in this house, right before Christmas, you know what will come through your mind? Oh, I, I need to make a run to the jewelry store. That's what runs through your mind. 
And follow through on it, Bill. Let me just tell you. Don't just let it run through your mind. Go ahead and do it. Watch. Hey, Pastor Reed, will you help me? Is my wife? Yeah, where's my, my wife? There you are. I didn't even see you over there sneaking on the side. This is my bride. Amen. What's up, girl? Now listen. See, y'all think she's not going to be surprised because we've had two other services. But what you don't know, she came up to me after first service and said, okay, so I need to be surprised in the second. I said, yeah, just be surprised, act surprised. But what she didn't know in the second service was I didn't give her the same thing I gave her in the first service. Uh-huh. Here you go. I've been, I've been wanting to give you this for a while. I've been lying this week telling you where I went to get all this. You asked me, and Lord, forgive me. It's for a message, dear Jesus. <laughs> We gotta hurry. We gotta finish this sermon. I couldn't wait to give it to you. I'm sorry. I almost spoiled the whole surprise this week. Here's the thing. Listen. There's nothing more exciting as a man. Some of you women, you probably don't even know this. You just say, hey, one day, maybe it's Christmas. Hey, look what I got for you. And they go, oh, wow. And they're excited. And they do that little thing with their leg where it comes up. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't know why that has to happen, but it does. And you say, who's the best husband in the world? And they say, you are. And then, well, we don't tell you the rest. You know what happens. I love her. And here, here's the beauty of it. See, she, she thought that she was going to have to fake it, the second service. But it was something new. And then third service, she didn't know I had something new for her then because I told her, baby, it got pretty expensive buying this stuff, so I'm probably going to have to re-gift you in the third service. And she got something new again. Can I tell you that heaven will never get old? We're going to get to worship him. We're going to be his bride. We're going to lift him up and honor him. And it's never going to get old. You don't have to fake it. You won't have to come up with some excuse. No, 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 no. It's the same. It's brand new. You know why? Because he's in love with you. That's why he does it. He's over the top because he cares about you. Because he wants a relationship with you. He's adorned your house with every precious stone. And he's so excited. He's waiting on us to get there. Because he loves us. But hear me this morning. Would you stand? You have to stay connected to that which you were made from. You gotta stay connected. Don't allow the trials and the situations of life to disconnect you from the one who created you and made you. And listen, if you wanna live the big life, guess what? It doesn't get bigger than heaven. 
You talk about the big life. How do streets of gold sound? Pearly gates. A party with Jesus. <laughs> the big life. Stay connected. Listen, though, here's how we do it every day through our worship. And you got to know that He's equipped you with everything that you need to worship Him. He's given you the percussion instruments, He's given you the stringed instruments, He's given you the wind instruments. So here's what I want us to do today. Are you ready? Are you ready to get small in the presence of a big God? The worship team is going to sing a song. And listen, I don't know how you want to do it, but I want you to go ahead and worship him with what he's equipped you to worship him with. Are you ready? You're going to clap your hands, maybe. You're going to sing. You're going to let the lungs, just let some air flow from your lungs. I would be remiss if we didn't make him big in this moment and we become small through our worship to live the big life. Let's worship him together.